0: Hi I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 275 of my podcast Beekeeping Short and Sweet. This last week has been one of trying to regain control of the honey room once more. The weather remains warm, the ivy is in flower and there's a bit of a rush to get settled ready for the quieter time of year and that's just me. Hopefully you're all in better control of your apiaries than I and you're putting your feet up early. short and sweet. A beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper in fact just like me. Hi everyone, podcast time again. I hope you're all well and are completely in control of your beekeeping and your autumn preparations are going well and to plan. It's been another warm week and that very autumnal feel has started to hit the mornings. I don't know about you guys but I'm finding the night still a little too warm. I just know it's going to cool down rapidly now as we head towards October but at the moment I'm finding it tough to get to full night's sleep. I think that might be age related though, I'm not sure. Hopefully I'll soon be dragging the duvet back over me as the overnight temperatures drop back down once more. I did check the overnight temperatures for our bees on the moors and they're heading back down to single figures so it's time to fetch them back home. That's my main focus for the coming week, a trip back to the heather which must surely have finished flowering by now. I have to fill in a few potholes so I can get the trailer safely across to the bees, load them up and then away home. For me, I'm so far behind this season, I don't really know where the time has gone. My week this week has been one of cleaning up and moving equipment around. Not a great deal of beekeeping, despite the need to sort a couple of colonies. And it's one of those challenges of having a smaller space to work in and having to split our storage facility to the workshop in an attempt to have enough space here in Norwich to get things done. The main task of the week was to get a grip of the honey room and start washing up some of the equipment that we're not going to use anymore this season and also some of that equipment that we use on a regular basis that needs regular cleaning. As an aside the heather honey is still in the warm room and I need to make some space in preparation for the attempted extraction of that one of the ongoing regular cleanup jobs in the honey room is the bottling line. Now, don't go thinking that I've been out and bought myself an expensive automated bottling system. I mean, it would be nice, but not really practical with the space we currently have. No, what I mean is the creamer come settling tank, the 100 kilo tank with the stirrer in it, the pipework from there to the bottling machine and the bottling machine, the stainless steel bench, and the sundry other bits such as the strainer and conical mesh strainer that we sometimes use if we're sorting out some spring honey, for instance, that hasn't been strained prior to going into the buckets. All of that is an ongoing clean-up. Each time we run the filling line, that sounds so sophisticated, doesn't it? Each, t- each time we get the honey into the jars, I wash out the tank, hoses and filling machine. It's not difficult, it's just time consuming. You have to make sure to use lukewarm water, not hot. Melting wax particles in the settling tank hose or filling machine is just going to make it more difficult to clean next time and it's the same process for all of our honey room equipment really. I like to hose out the settling tank with cold water giving a quick rub down with a sponge cleaner, all of that with the settling tank tap open. Then, having closed the tap, a couple of inches of water in the bottom with some washing up detergent and I wash the inside of the tank thoroughly to get rid of any residual honey that may be lurking around. Finally, having opened the tap and emptied the tank once more, I give it another hose down to wash away the detergent before setting it out in the sun and wiping it dry. The filling hose is a little more tricky but I found a company that sells bottle brushes with very long metal handles about a metre long and this helps scrub out the inside of the pipe and get rid of any honey and again it gets the rinse wash rinse routine before being hung up to dry. The filling machine breaks down into its individual component parts for washing and that simply goes into the washing up bowl for a similar process. I have an old toothbrush for getting into the hard to reach places and it's really important whatever equipment you use and however you use it to make sure that it's washed and rinsed properly. That's why it takes so much time to do. I've rushed the process of washing honey buckets before only to find a couple of months later that the bottoms have a covering of mould growing into the plastic. Totally impossible to wash out at that point and so you end up having to recycle the bucket and start over with a new one. Not such a problem with one or two buckets but if it happens to be 20 it can prove quite expensive. Far better to wash it out properly to start with. I've not yet cleaned out all of the main extraction equipment as we still have some honey that might well extract. Some of our colonies over at the farm that grew the vetch, now that seems such a long time ago, but we left colonies that we had split over there to allow them to build up and a few have produced a super of honey each. Currently they're on a wild flower mix that's being used to fix nitrogen into the soil, but they'll probably die back quite quickly once the weather changes these colonies will come back home to one of our local apiaries to overwinter before going back out in the spring. Just dragging the subject back to the honey room, I think we may well find it's going to get worse before it gets better, mainly because of the heather honey that we need to deal with. The heather honey extraction is... Well, it's not really an extraction, at least not in the way that we would extract, say, our summer blackberry crop or the borage, for instance. The particular properties of heather honey make it almost impossible to extract in this normal fashion, unless you have some rather specific equipment, one of which is called a heather honey loosener. Now, I've taken a look at these. They're basically two plates with lots of spring-loaded blunt needles in them, The frame goes in between the two plates, the handle is depressed, and the needles push into the cells, rupturing the cappings and loosening the honey. You see, heather honey is thixotropic. It's a weird property that means, in its normal state, it's a jelly like consistency, but when it's subjected to a physical stress, it becomes less viscous. Leave it for a while, and it returns back to its jelly like state. Now these loosening machines are all well and good but with a price bracket of over £5,000 it's not something I'm looking to invest in, certainly not this season. So the plan has always been to prepare some cut comb but for the bulk of the heather honey I'm going to crush it out using a fruit press. Now this week I had a lovely series of videos planned around this activity I just know you're all going to love seeing me make a complete mess in the honey room, trying for the first time to get this honey out of the cane. Well, the fruit press was ordered last Monday with a two to three days delivery time. And guess what? Yep, it's still not here. I waited for most of Thursday, anticipating that was when it would arrive. But by the time lunchtime arrived and went, I was getting a little bit edgy. I phoned the online suppliers, and wouldn't you just know it, they're out of stock. They obviously hadn't told me. They intended for their wholesaler to send it direct, but again, they're out of stock. I don't mind waiting for equipment to arrive, but I do like to have some communications about what's going on. Having been told on Monday that it was going to be with me by Thursday, and then silence just isn't good enough these days. Obviously they've had their money anyway I'm told it will be with me on Tuesday next week so we're going to have to delay things a little bit. The impact on us is in several ways. Firstly we currently have the heater and dehumidifier on and burning through electricity in the warm room. Not cheap right now. The dehumidifier is in there for two reasons. Firstly, the water content of the honey in the uncapped frames was reading close on 23%. Way too high for bottling, but apparently a normal thing for Heather honey. With the warm room doing what it does, the dehumidifier can suck out a fair amount of water from both the atmosphere in the warm room and in the honey in the frames. When I last checked, The honey was down to 21% in the frames, so we're not far off where we want to be. Just below 20% would be good. The other reason for having it on is that honey is also hygroscopic. Now this means that it has a tendency to absorb moisture. So if you leave it alone and uncapped or uncovered, the water content is going to increase, not decrease, as I need it to. Remember a high water content in honey may well lead to it fermenting and that's just going to spoil the honey. Unless of course you're making mead but that's another story. So we wait for the fruit press to arrive and now I'm looking for anyone who has a large apple orchard and would like to donate a big batch of apples so I can try and make some cider. That could be interesting. I did manage to get into the apiary at the fishing lakes in the latter part of the week, once I knew I wasn't going to get the fruit press. I really needed to get the two colonies that had spent the season in the John Harding queen rearing nukes out of those nukes and into the technoset hives. The reason for needing to sort these two colonies is the green woodpeckers at the fishing lakes. We see them most times we visit and although they pose no problem at the moment, if we get a prolonged cold period over winter, there's a pretty good chance that they'll target these cedar nuke boxes and bang several holes into them in search for food. So the setup is a couple of nuke boxes in a vertical double brood configuration. That's to say, nucleus colony sized floor, nuke sized brood box, another nuke sized brood box, crime board and roof. This setup is also likely to struggle with any high winds over the winter months, especially when the trees lose their leaves and the winds blow hard. The transfer is into our technoset hives. The hard plastic shell will hopefully be too much for the woodpeckers and they'll go off in search for an easier meal. Transferring colonies from nukes into full-size hives is a very straightforward job Having a double nuke brood set up just means we have plenty of drawn frames with food and brood to use rather than a five or six frame nuke with only frames of foundation available to add. The one difference here for me is to ensure that all of the brood is placed in the central area of the brood box of these full-size hives that I'm transferring them into. I don't want brood being isolated at one side of the box at this time of the year as a sudden change in temperature generally will force the bees to have to work that much harder. One thing that beginner beekeepers should be mindful of and not get too worried about is the confused cloud of bees that takes to the air when you're swapping out from a nuke to a hive. This is all the more apparent when the bees are really active and many of them are out foraging. It will seem quite frantic, but if you allow them a couple of hours to settle down, they'll soon figure out what they're doing. One other point to say here is if you've a nuke that's doing really well in its nuke box right now, there's no need to swap it into a full-size hive. In fact, I would suggest you don't do that until spring. Colonies are settling down for the long winter ahead right now, brood nest areas are getting smaller, and the number of bees in the hive or nuke will gradually reduce too. We're also at a time of peak robbing so any sniff of some available honey and a nucleus colony moved into a full-size hive can easily be overwhelmed by wasps and other honeybee colonies. Better to wait it out, allow the nuke the opportunity of staying dry and warm in their nuke box, a space that they can easily manage and then as they start to grow next spring get them into a full-size hive, feed them up and watch them grow. That all seems a long way off right now though. The two colonies I had in the double nuke setup transferred well enough. It was interesting to see a lot of ivy nectar coming in right now, along with the bright yellow pollen. This is also from the ivy. A much needed late supply of food stores for our colonies as they prepare themselves for the coming weeks and foraging opportunities start to run dry. I guess it's an evolutionary thing but I love the way the ivy becomes available just as the brood nest is shrinking and cells become available for the bees to store the nectar and pollen in for use over the coming weeks and months. Anyone would think the insect and plant worlds have been planning just how to do this for years. So now I only have maybe seven or eight honeypore hives with bees in them. I'd ideally like to transfer them all across into technoset hives as we have the capacity and that would give us full protection against the woodpeckers over winter. It gets me thinking about the pros and cons of different hive types and I've not yet found one particular hive that ticks all the boxes without there being some kind of drawback. I really like the Langstroth hive. For me, It fits the bill perfectly in terms of the size of the brood box and its ability to house just about all of the largest colonies that we've had over the season. The technoset is great but I think the honeypore gives more insulation over the winter months and colonies certainly seem to develop strongly in the honeypore hives in the spring than in the technoset hives. That said I don't suppose wooden hives give a great deal more or less insulation than the Technoset hives so I would say they're of a comparative quality in terms of keeping the colony warm over winter. I really do like the physical size of the Technoset hive and all of the features that seem for the most part really well thought out. I suspect that for the next few years I'll still be in a kind of mix and match combo setup, a result of buying in that second-hand equipment. At least it's all Langstroth now. Oh, apart from one commercial hive that I dropped a swarm into earlier in the year and which now seems to be thriving. Anyone out there want to buy an overwintered commercial colony and a couple of commercial nuke boxes? I really think these are the last non-langstroth bits that I have or at least I hope so. If you would like it do get in touch. Also as I'm talking about selling bees I'm going to be selling around 50 langstroth production colonies next year. I'll explain more of my plans as we get into winter but they'll be available in blocks of 10 prepared in time for the summer nectar flow so do get in touch if you're interested. Well that's it for this week don't forget to check out my website www.norfolk-honey.co.uk and for my latest videos and podcasts with more updates tips and techniques it's the same Patreon page www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey and remember I'm Stuart Spinks and that was beekeeping short and sweet.